All right, here we are. The epic episode forty. Forty episodes in. Yeah, and uh quite the epic episode as we conclude trade season. Yeah, busy, busy trade season for the Mavericks. Four four out of five starters gone. Yeah, last week we focused on the Porzingis deal. This week, Harrison Barnes leaves the Mavericks after about two and a half seasons going to Sacramento for Justin Jackson and Zach Randolph. Zebo. Yeah, Zebo is has been waived as of oh. this morning. Oh, yeah. there we go. So, the Zebo era is over. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe a little maybe a little traders remorse on the maps. Maybe they didn't know what they were getting there. I'm not <laughs> well, sure. Well, funny is after the uh, Charlotte game the other night on the post game show, Cedric Sabalos was talking about Zebo as if like it was 2008. He was like, <laughs> he was like, yeah, look, Mavericks need a low post presence with DeAndre gone and Zach Randolph pretty much unstoppable in the post. So, did he yeah. realize? Did he realize Zach Randolph hasn't played all year? <laughs> I don't think he did, and I I wanted to be like, that's one of those times I would pay to be like in a commentator's like listen to a commentator's earpiece and just hear the producer being like. He, he doesn't play anymore. He doesn't play anymore. Then we're going to wave him. We're going to wave him. And so I don't Mr. know. Just continue to go on. He really <laughs> was like, he's just unstoppable. He's so good in the low post. Mavericks fans have got to be excited about this. And, and just, and he's like, Justin Jackson is okay too. He's a young guy. Anyway, Zach Randolph, like he really was, was hyping about. <laughs> I don't know why it's been so hard for the Mavs to find somebody uh, to sit next to uh, that lady. What's her name again? Uh, is it Dana Larson? I think Dana Larson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. she she does a pretty good job. But they remember Eddie uh, Nahara from a few years ago. Yeah. He yeah. he would be stumbling over his words. Great guy, I really like him. But uh, and then they had uh, sometimes they have Antonio Daniels, uh, yeah. Yeah. and he's a little overly enthusiastic about I don't even know what. They had. He's always trying to make his like audition tape for yeah. like some hot take show. You know, mm-hmm. like he's after every show, he's immediately emailing it to like FS1 and the. I think Skip Bayless is his bar. I don't know <laughs> yeah. why, but it is. And then you have uh, who was the guy that became an assistant coach for Memphis? He was actually really good. Um, he was right before Sabalos. Like he bailed on the show mid-season, and that's I think why they have Sabalos now. But it is terrible to it's watch. That yeah, I could just tell. I I know Mark Mark Cuban's got to be cringing as he watches that show every night. It's just it's really bad. And and yeah. um, you know I'm not into the wear a suit with tennis shoes look. I I think it's kind of made up. <laughs> And I like it when they do the, you know, every college basketball does the coaches versus cancer thing. And for one game, those guys will wear the sneakers with their suits, right? It's like, that's a, that's a charitable yeah. thing. But I don't yeah, know. It's a look. I, I the, don't know about that either. Yeah. I am not a fashion mogul, but there's no scenario where that's a good look for me. You know, I, I, I don't put know. It in the same category as uh, the t-shirt. Like with the with the sport coat, you know, you see that sometimes. 
where someone will wear a t-shirt and a sport yeah, like, yeah. I, I think that's kind of a bad look. I feel like that's a bad compromise. Like you got into an argument with your wife and then you're like, fine, I'll dress up. And you yeah. come out of your room with, with a, a sport, sport coat. coat. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's like, like the, like, it's yeah, like the tuxedo, the tuxedo yeah. t-shirt. Kind of yeah. 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 It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Okay, so that's been a huge tangent away from the real topic, which yeah. is Barnes is gone. I don't even want to talk about how it was mid-game. That was so overblown by everybody. Um, he knew he was getting traded. He didn't care. He wanted to play anyways, whatever. It's like people get over it. And I just think uh, total salary dump. And in the end, they just looked at – Okay, $25 million next year. Can we get one or two players better than what Harrison Barnes chipped in? And I think that was the bottom line for them. What do you think? I agree. I, I was really surprised to make the move. I think last week when we were talking about the Porzingis trade, we said, well, Harrison Barnes, as your third best player, is pretty good. And really, I don't think either one of us thought that was a tradable contract. And yeah. so we kind of just looked at it as he, Hardaway Jr., and Courtney Lee are just going to be here and kind of chewing up cap space for the next season. But not the worst thing in the world because they're serviceable. Uh, yeah, but I think when they found a trade partner for them, and honestly, I think if they could have moved Hardaway Jr., they probably would have. Uh, sure. Again, not because he's a bad player, but because the contract doesn't, doesn't really fit, you know, who he is and, and what he's bringing to the table. But now, yeah, it gives the Mavericks about $30 million. And depending on what happens with Dwight Powell, uh, could be as much as $40 million yeah. going into the offseason. You know, the two big free agents that I think the Mavericks would want to retain are uh, Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleba. So I, I think a little bit of money will go to them. But then, yeah, you could get – uh, a high number guy, or, or maybe just a couple of other solid pieces, um, yeah. along with Porzingis, and obviously Doncic is going to be here. Well, and I think you've got three teams with significant cap space now: Clippers, Knicks, and now Mavs. And and I think Mark Cuban loved the idea of having being in the game, so to speak, when free agency starts. Um, I think the likely scenario is is we bring in a. How do you say it? Vujicic? Vujicic? Vujicic, I think. Vujicic. Uh, Orlando. He's just averaging 20 and 12. I think he's going to the All-Star game this year. He's been, yeah. I think it's like a awesome 90% chance we end up with uh, Vujicic and Drogic next year. And it's like an all-Euro team. And it, it's been joked about. But I, I, I think it's highly likely because of the Bill Duffy connection with the agents and uh, the Drogic connection with uh, Doncic. And, you know, Drogic's got a one-year player option at $19 million with the Heat, and I could see him opting out for maybe a three years and $30 million with the Mavs, something like that. And then uh, we turn around and sign uh, Vucevic for, uh, you know, like three years, $60 million, something like that. Yeah, he would have a hefty price tag with him. Um, but yeah, and a then, lot of it, you're hearing his name a lot. In, in what what the, uh, people reports. what people don't understand because I I've got a few people contact me and say, oh well, we're going to use that cap space to resign Chris Stapps, Finney Smith, and Kleber, and it's 
we have their bird rights for all, all those guys. Those guys are getting signed last, and and we'll go over the cap, those guys. Yeah, no, it's just going to be a matter of how they order it. I mean, same thing if, if Dirk wants to come back for a 22nd season. You know, like just like they've done the last few years, Dirk is the last guy in the Mavericks to get signed, and it's That's really right. just – all right, let's work all this other stuff out, and then all right, Dirk wants to play. Let's figure out a number, you know. Yeah. And uh, they're, you know, the past couple of years they've actually been under the cap. They, they haven't had a huge payroll the last few seasons, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Next season looks like they'd probably get close to it or or well above. Yeah, and so the secondary component of this trade, um, this is. Now, last week on the show, I talked about how I thought Chris Stapps was going to come back this year and we were going to make a run at the playoffs. And I feel like now I've flipped. I think uh, we've got about 30 games left. Actually, less, right? We're 25 and 28. So Yeah, no, 29 games left in the season. Yeah, so I think it's more so looking like we may subtly tank and just try to drop a few spots. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, that's exactly what I thought the other day because, I mean, as good as Doncic is, and yes, we've got some good players here, I don't think, I mean, you trade four starters and bring in four new guys into your starting lineup, I don't think they're going to integrate that quickly, and the talent drop-off from Harrison Barnes to Justin Jackson is pretty significant. So whether they want to or not, I don't think there's going to be any intentional tanking where you saw last year, like they didn't play starters in the second half of games. Like they were really pretty, it was pretty obvious the Mavericks did not want to win these games. I think, I think in this case, they're just going to drop games and they may be very competitive games, you know, and there may be games where some guys surprise you where Luca puts up, you know, triple doubles or big numbers, whatever it is. But I, I think they're just going to kind of lose some games here. I don't think they're going to catch. You know, it's interesting at the bottom of the conference now, at the bottom of the Western Conference, at least the playoff picture, because the Clippers traded Tobias Harris, so they're, they're kind of signaled their intention to not necessarily make a run this year. The Lakers were not really able to pull off any significant moves uh, at the trade deadline, so they're kind of stuck with where they are. I, I think they'll probably be good enough to make the playoffs just because of LeBron. Right, they've got the, the Kings are kind of going for it now. So after the trade deadline, you kind of see who's in it and who's not. And even though the Mavs made some deals, and I think Donnie even came back and said, you know, we got, you know, we're going for the playoffs. I just don't think they have the talent right now without Porzingis and and whatever this cap space might represent down the line to to win a bunch of games against the team against teams that are trying to jockey for the playoffs down the stretch. No, I agree. I mean, right now, looking at our old friend uh, Tankathon.com, we are uh, we're in tw- we're in twelfth. We're a solid twelfth. We're tied with Minnesota, and at a I guess eleven twelve. The next slot up would be the Lakers at twenty eight and twenty seven and thirteenth. So I feel pretty good at staying at twelfth. But then the sixth. Worst record is at 22 and 34, which is Memphis. So we're only three games back of the sixth worst worst record. Now, Memphis, these are the teams in between us and Memphis. Memphis, Washington, Orlando, New Orleans, Detroit. All those teams got worse with the trade deadline. So there's no guarantee, but it's 
it's worth the play because one caveat people have forgotten is now it's the top four picks are pulled from the ping pong balls, not the top three. And so when, let's say the Knicks get the first pick, they can't be picked for second, third, and fourth. So your, so your odds shoot up, you know? So if you're in sixth or seventh place, those are really good odds to jump up to the top four. I'm not saying it's going to happen at all. I'm just saying the odds are actually much better to get to the top four than they were in previous years. Yeah, this is the first year of that new lottery system that was designed to uh, deter tanking mm-hmm. uh, in some way. So the top yeah. three all have the same odds instead of the heavier odds going to the worst team and yep. and everything else as you just described. So, uh, yeah, so now it, it's not as unlikely. Um, granted, you know, looking at the Mavericks lottery history, you know, they've never been the team to kind of jump up and, and get into the lottery, but yeah, if you flip down into the sixth or seventh worst record by the end of the season, you got a great shot of sneaking into the top five and keeping that pick next season, which you couple that with some cap space. I mean, this this could be really huge for the Mavericks. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, 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 uh, it's quite fascinating how they've sort of flipped the potential off-season script here because – now we have two cornerstones. And, and you know, honestly, like, I, I think another reason Barnes was traded is the way he plays, I wouldn't call it a perfect fit with Doncic and uh, Porzingis. And so there's even more so a, uh, like, what's the hook in keeping him, you know? I think Dorian Finney-Smith being a defensive-minded 3-and-D type 3 uh, or small forward, that's your ideal fit with Harrison Barnes, you know. And so Justin Jackson, I think, has the potential to be very Dorian Finney-Smith-like. Uh, he's he's rangy. I, I just think he's gotten some poor coaching, you know. And, and I think the Mavs are really good at developing players. So picking him up now uh, and really nurturing him through the next, I don't know, 12 months, well, let's just say eight months or so. I mean, those two players at small forward could be, uh, I think, points-wise, I don't know, as productive as Harrison Barnes, but defensively could provide what we need next to Doncic. Yeah, and I think with Justin Jackson, when he's he's coming into a situation where not much is being asked of him, uh-huh. where Harrison Barnes came into here and it was like, you're going to be our leading scorer. That's and right. that was pretty much the edict. So he spent the last two and a half years, you know, in his mind, he's the leading scorer. So he's taking, you know, all the shots and, you know, late in the shock box, it's like it's going to him and he's got to figure something out. And, yeah, when you bring in a guy like Doncic and anyone, you know, we we never saw all of them with Porzingis, but, you know, you want to keep the ball moving, you want to look for the open man, et cetera. And I think with Barnes it was a little bit more, all right, I got the ball now. Let's let's do something. I'm gonna I'm gonna look to score, and yeah, that's yeah. where it just started to look like not a great fit. And I think Barnes could have adjusted. I mean, he played. He was the he was the fourth option on those Golden State teams uh, just a couple of years ago. So it's not 
I don't think it's beyond his skill set, but I think he has just gotten used to a certain role here in Dallas. So I think it'll be good. Uh, it'll be better well, for him in Sacramento. But I think you're right that Justin Jackson can come in and, and like Finney Smith, just we can sort of define the role we want him to play. And he can sort of work on what he needs to to do to get better at that. He's gone from a pretty bad three-point shooter in his rookie year, like something like 31% up to – I think about league average this year, 35, 36%. So he's yeah. shown some improvement there just over one season. And so it'll be interesting to see how he develops. But I mean, that was a lottery pick. It's just a couple yeah. of years ago. 15th pick. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you, you, the thing with Barnes, you're right. He could have adjusted, but do you want to pay your third or fourth option 25 million a year? And yeah. exactly. And, and that's what it comes down to. He's developed into a great ISO scorer. I actually think he's going to do really well at Sacramento. I think he's going to love it. I think he's going to probably sign a long-term deal there. And, uh, Sacramento has a really, I, I like what they're doing there, believe it or not. You know, I mean, you, you look at Darren Fox, Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes. Um, that's a, that's pretty solid on the wing. Like those three can score. Well, Marvin, Marvin Bagley, I mean, they might be yeah. kicking themselves for not drafting Doncic, but Marvin Bagley has done well this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's- then you have Bagley, Willie Cauley-Stein, you know, guys coming off the bench. I mean, they're they're doing well, and um, I think they're going to get that eight seed with Barnes now. You know, I really do. So You think they get I, that over the Lakers? Yeah, I think the Lakers are toast. Wow. <laughs> I think uh, Clippers fall out, potentially. I think the Lakers fall out. Um, I think Utah has uh, has has done well as of late, even though I think they got blown out on national TV last week. Um, but I, I think the Lakers are in complete disarray. I, I think, you know, LeBron's, LeBron's uh, M.O. is, he creates a lot of dysfunction and chaos. He's done it in Cleveland. He tried to do it in Miami, and uh, it really didn't work there because they have such a strong infrastructure. But uh, I feel like in L.A., like he's trying to run everything. Magic's letting them him, and um, it's just become very annoying for everybody. It's just going to be hard for them to turn it around the last 30 games, I feel. And now they're bringing in Carmelo Anthony for that last roster spot. I just think I could see those young guys just being like, you know what? Screw you. This is like a joke. (laughs) Well, especially when, I mean, I thought it was insane, the rumor that they were going to trade pretty much all five of their young core guys plus draft picks for Anthony Davis. And and I was just thinking if if New Orleans takes that, like what does the Lakers roster even look like? Now, granted, you've got two – you yeah. know, excellent players, right? With with Davis and and James, but then it's like, what do you what do you fill in from there? And yeah. is that even workable from that point forward? But um, yeah, I, I could see. I think you're exactly right. You, you saw that in that blowout loss uh, against Indiana the other night. They kind of came together and pulled one out last night against the Celtics. But yeah, I, I think some of those young guys were kind of like this they didn't like being sort of thrown in all sorts of combinations in an effort to get Anthony Davis. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, not to get off on that tangent. I, I just don't think uh, I, I could definitely see the, the Kings gelling and uh, making the playoffs and Barnes really liking it there. 
You know, yeah. it, it really is a good fit for him because he's he's able to play that same game he's been playing. He could be a leader, and um, they want him to stay. And I think a big part of him right now is just wanting to be wanted. I think he's really going to appreciate that, you know? Yeah, and I think the Mavericks made him feel that for a couple of seasons, but I think in the end it was, it just wasn't making sense anymore. The, the Dodgers thing really changed everything for the Mavericks. Yeah, it's really been amazing. And I, I think now, even looking at free agency, you know, like one move I didn't really care for was uh, 76ers trading for Tobias Harris. It's just like, okay, so you've got four of these. Your starting lineup's great, but everybody needs the ball, you know, yeah, yeah. except maybe Ben Simmons. And I think that's something that's getting overlooked when you start putting all-stars or players together. It's like, like we don't need any more scorers on the map. With Doncic and Porzingis, like we don't need a 30-point scorer. Like I, I think, you know, I think we would be going after Drogic just for like the camaraderie and the leadership, but we really don't even need him. You know, I, I think we need a bruiser-type rebounder, which I really don't even know if Vucevic could be that. But if he is, great. And then um, we need defense. We need defense and three-point shooting, and then we're we're set. So I don't know. I, I don't know what this turns into. I mean, I, I don't think we're in the running for Durant or Kawhi or Kyrie or any of those guys. And uh, I don't even know what I'd do if, if Durant wanted to sign with us, you know, I'd probably throw up on myself. But. Well, I don't, I don't really look at – like I still don't see the Mavericks as – a destination for one of those top free agents. And I think that's why they do the Przingis trade. Like we talked about last week, I saw it as lessons learned from the, we'll we'll have cap space, we'll sign one of these guys, we'll sign, and it just never happened. Well, now you go out and you trade for Porzingis, and he's here. And and not to say that that guarantees he signs here, but I I think there's obviously a very high likelihood that he's here and and for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't really, I, I agree with you though, that we don't need another big all-star. I think it's more just putting pieces together that work. I think Lushevic can be that, that bruiser rebounder. He's had some monster rebounding games this year for Orlando and he's a big guy. Um, so, so I think he could do that and he's still young enough to have some, some productive years ahead of him, yeah. you know, doing that type of stuff. But I, I think you're right. You know, a lot of these rosters are constructed almost like, when, um, you know, after the first dream team for the Olympics, they just kind of said, all right, let's get 12, the 12 best players and put them on the floor. Right. And you saw after a while that started to not work because there was no regard for, yeah, these guys can't really play together or everybody needs the ball or yeah. why aren't yeah. they passing? Like this doesn't make any sense. So they started to construct these rosters with a few players on there that don't need the ball and sometimes yeah. don't even need to play. So well, that they could get to a more standard rotation and, and all of that stuff. And that's what people forget about the pre-Durant Warriors is Draymond Green didn't need a play set for him all game. He would score 18 and 12 a game by just playing his game, rebounding, cleaning up, uh, finishing off plays, you know, rolling to the basket. Um, and so, and he was their third best player. So, I think it just gets overlooked. I, I mean, not to come down too hard on the Sixers, but 
I'm not impressed with Elton Brand has done as a GM. You know, I think it was just such a dumb move to just make a player, former player, a GM. You, you see how much more strategic, like a seasoned GM could be versus just a former player, and how Donnie Nelson has has kind of really transformed the roster in the last 24 months to where, you know, if we have championship hopes going into next season, it's just not unrealistic. And that's, that's an amazing rebuild versus like what some other teams like Orlando and Minnesota have been doing for the last 10 years. Yeah. But it comes down to at the heart of it is, is drafting that guy that can turn into that cornerstone piece. Cause that's what, yeah. you know, the war going back to the warriors, that's exactly what they did. They drafted, Curry, Thompson, Green, drafted Barnes, you know, and, and they went and got their big piece was going to get bogus. And that ends up, you know, they end up winning the title from there. But it's uh Well, and that's yeah, my it, point about Philadelphia, because look, they just spent two ones on Tobias Harris. They yeah. traded away Markel Fultz for nothing. So that's two more ones on Fultz. And then they wasted two other well, no, another one was Dario Saric to get Jimmy Butler. That was another first-round pick. And yeah. then another another first-round pick was a Okafor, which was a waste. Um, Nerland's Noel, they got two picks for Drew Holiday, which was actually that was Nerland's Noel and Dario Saric. But, uh, you know, they've wasted so many first-rounders. And it gets overlooked in this process because they got two blue chippers with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Yeah, but um, they haven't drafted well. They just haven't. No, I mean it's certainly they were bad for a long, long time, and it was definitely the volume of draft picks that led to the volume of high draft picks that led to them finding Simmons and Embiid. Yeah, I think now for whatever reason they've gotten really impatient and said yeah. we're going to win now, and you go and get Butler, which I think creates a chemistry problem. I think I think Tobias Harris. I think they gave up a lot to get him. But I actually think he can be a guy who doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands. I think J.J. Redick brings a lot to the table for them from a, from a leadership standpoint. But, yeah, I really don't understand why they decided to – because, like, things in Boston don't look as great as they once did, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, like, they seem to – I mean, Kyrie might leave them. Their young players maybe aren't as good as they showed in the playoffs last year. You know, whatever's mm-hmm. going on there kind of something's wrong in Boston, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, Toronto, while they're looking good this year, you know, who knows what next season looks like and what Kawhi does. And so if you're the Sixers, I think they just are looking at it. I mean, I think this year is as competitive as the Eastern Conference might be for the next couple of seasons. Because then when you look at Milwaukee, you know, they have Giannis and, I mean, Chris Mo- I mean, they've got a pretty good roster, but you know, uh, it's mostly centered on Giannis. And uh, maybe the Sixers think that they could keep this group together and, you know, if not make a run this year, maybe maybe keep continue to keep them together. And next year, they're that much better than the rest of the conference. But, I, I, yeah, I'm kind of at a loss, too. I don't understand why they all of a sudden, as young as their cornerstones are, why they felt like they had to really get after it now. And well, and in done. hindsight, I would like the Tobias Harris trade more if they had not traded for Jimmy Butler. Right. So if it yeah. was Tobias Harris, Robert Covington, Dario Saric, like they were just a deeper team, I think like, ooh, that's interesting. But with Jimmy Butler, like, it just looks like a mess right now. Yeah. 
And, you know, the most, I feel like the most overlooked trade of yesterday was Meritich going to the Bucks. They, they basically turned Thon McCurr into Nikola Meritich and people forget how good that guy is. Like him and Anthony Davis tore up Portland last year in the playoffs. And next to Giannis, he's going to have the same effect. Like that and Marcus Gasol going to Toronto yesterday. Mm-hmm. I don't even think the Sixers have a chance against either of those teams. I, I think it's like Bucks or Raptors in the finals right now. Yeah, I've uh, I've always loved Meritich since he was with the Bulls. I agree with you. He's been awesome with the Pelicans, and uh, he'll be great with the Bucks. He's just a really good player. So and look, no, I, for, I think that's a big deal. And Dell Demps gets a lot of crap as he should, but. He he turned an expiring contract of Meritich into four second rounders and Stanley Johnson. That was a great trade. Yeah, no, he wasn't going to stay there. Clearly, they're sort of in, you know, uh, they're in takedown mode. But I think it I think it was really smart of him to just wait on Anthony Davis. Right? Like yeah. he didn't kind of pull the trigger there, and he's going to have more suitors this summer yeah. for that for that deal. Um, and. Yeah, I, I I actually uh, w- will give the Pelicans a lot of credit in that sense, knowing and, and kind of knowing that this season is just going to be awkward for the next couple months with Davis there and all of this, and uh, a deal is pending. But I think they put themselves in better position, barring some sort of you know injury to Anthony Davis over the next couple of months. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. And then uh, you know Toronto with Marcus Sewell, I think people forgot how good Marcus Sewell is. Um, because yeah, their lineup huge upgrade from Valanciunas. Oh my gosh! And they traded nothing to get him. Valanciunas yeah. in a second rounder. Yeah. And uh, basically, they are going to have let's see, Gasol, Ibaka, Lowry, Kawhi Leonard. That's a great lineup. Yeah. And Pascal Siakam. I mean, they, Siakam's been great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think them or the Bucks can really compete with Golden State because they're both defensive minded teams. And so, uh, yeah, I would agree. I would I'm agree. impressed. Yeah, I think I think the East did really good. I think the West. Um, I don't know who competes with the Warriors right now. I mean, no one really did much in the trade deadline. Um, yeah, not nobody did any. Nobody did enough this year. I mean, I think everybody's. It's becoming pretty clear as as it did as we went on last year that that Golden State's gonna. At least get to the finals. I think you're right. There could be some teams that that give them some problems in the finals, whether it's the Raptors or Bucks, um, or even the Sixers if they manage to get there. I think it'd be sure. a real problem for them. But yeah, um, I think going uh, up to that point, I don't foresee Golden State having uh, a lot of trouble. Yeah, I guess overall, I'm just happy the East got stronger. Um, the top four in the East, I think it could be argued the top four in the East. Uh, are better than the top four in the West now. Yeah, I think that's arguable. I, would I mean, because OKC, Houston, or actually it isn't Houston. It's OKC, Denver, Golden State, and uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, Portland's actually number four right now. Yeah, Portland's terrible, you know. So I think uh, top four in the East look a lot better, so... Yeah, and actually oh, no. Boston, Boston is, or Indiana is actually third in the East right now. Oh wow! Well, so they're up there. I expect they'll drop at some point. With a, yeah, West, oh, no, West Matthews going to <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about that? Former very Boulder. strange move there, but 
I'm happy well, for what on, on a veteran minimum. I mean, that's that's not a bad. I mean, they had their shooting guard obviously go down, so having someone yeah. step in for the last couple months I makes, think he, makes uh, a little bit of sense. I think the sell the pitch to him was obviously playing time, and he's playing yeah. for his next contract. So right, right. I think that was his big move, which it makes a lot of sense. So. All right. Um, well, looking ahead here for the Mavericks yep. the next week, they've got the Bucks at home tonight. They oh, got wow. the Blazers at home on Sunday, and then they turn around on Monday and go at the Rockets. And hmm. then busy week. They've got this will be the last game before the All Star break. They've got the Heat coming to the AAC on Wednesday night. All right, I'll give them the win against the Heat and then three losses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the new look Mavericks. We'll see how it comes together here in the next uh, few games. But um, yeah, still, you know, no matter the results, Mavericks fans should be excited about about what's ahead. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be um, the off season can't get here soon enough, but it will be fun watching. Uh, I'm, I'm, I am interested to watch Justin Jackson and Tim Hardaway Jr. see what they got because they're both going to be on the roster next year, and uh, I think they both can contribute. I, I I don't dread either of those contracts, um, and so uh, yeah, there's definitely plenty to watch. And, and Luca has subtly become a triple double machine. Yeah, so, uh, he's gonna yeah, he's gonna continue to be the leader and develop, and I know yeah, I he's think gonna. I think it's definitely lots to tune in for for the Mavericks and lots to, uh, you know, continue to listen to this podcast as well. There you go. Well, episode 40 is in the books. Um, If you want to reach out, tweet, email, I think it's mavspodcast at gmail.com or at the mavspodcast on Twitter. I'm Al Sithome, your Matt Sithome. And I think that's all we got this week. That's it. We'll see you next week. All right. See you next time.